This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. As we wind up this week's lineup, I'd like to begin with a show that was very highly thought of, Gunsmoke. It was an American radio and television Western drama series created by director Norman McDonnell and writer John Meston. Now, the stories take place in and around Dodge City, Kansas, during the settlement of the American West. The central character is lawman Marshal Matt Dillon, played by William Conrad on radio, and I'm sure many will remember James Arness, who played him on television. The radio series ran from 1952 to 1961. John Dunning wrote that among radio drama enthusiasts, Gunsmoke is routinely placed among the best shows of any kind at any time. And the star of the show, William Conrad, had quite a career. He was an American World War II fighter, uh, that is a fighter pilot, actor, producer, director, whose career spanned five decades in radio, film, and television. A radio writer and actor, he moved to Hollywood after his World War II service and played a series of character roles in films, beginning with the quintessential film noir The Killers in 1946. He created the role of Marshal Matt Dillon for the radio series Gunsmoke in 52, and that ran until 1961. And get this, do you remember that he was the narrator behind the television adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle? from 59 to 64. So, let's go hear our next episode of Gunsmoke, entitled Shakespeare. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with the U.S. Marshal and the smell of Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. It was the dust. The heat was bad enough in Dodge City, but out on the plain, it was the dust. The sun was a burning red-brown chip in the sky. And the sweat on a man never had a chance to drop. It was blotted and dried with dust. Doc Chester and I had ridden to old man Gore's place ten miles out. He'd had some trouble with one of the hands. 
Fella had gone loco with liquor and had been shooting up the cattle. We found him, stripped naked nearby on his haunches, crying, drunk over a parched water hole. Doc had got him to bed and fixed him up some. And now we were heading back for Dodge. Darn horse. Seems he's just bound to stomp all the dust and candles in my eyes. <coughs> Maybe the marshal buy a camel, Chester. This keeps up. We'll all buy camels. I remember the time back in Waco when I was just Doc, a small... Chester, boy. you see something ahead on the side of the trail there? Yeah, maybe. It looks like some poor calf strayed off and dropped. I don't think so. Yeah, it looks like a man. Come on. Come on. Chester, get the water bag. Yes, sir. Yeah. Let me have a look, Marshal. Yeah. Let's see. Heat. Is he all right? Well, depends on how long he's been lying here. Here you are, Mr. Dillon. Yeah. Huh. Open up his shirt, Marshal. Chester, get some of that water on his wrist. All right. It looks like an Easterner, huh? Sure not dressed for this country. Oh, well, that's better. That's better. Try to get a few drops in him. All right, now. No, not too much, Chester. <coughs> not in his nose, Chester. His mouth. Well, my gracious, I'm sorry, Mr. Dillon, but he moved his head. It's not so easy to... Hey, look, he's awake. You're all right, mister. Just take it easy for a bit now. Oh, but this too, too solid flesh would melt, thaw... And resolve itself into a Jew. What did he say? Oh, it's out of his head, Chester. For this relief, uh, much thanks. Forget it, Chester. Get around the other side and shade him from the sun. Yes, you. The sun. I begin to be a weary of the sun. I don't blame you. Uh, What happened? My wagon... Shed a wheel, I fear, along the high road. I know not where I am. Uh, you're about four miles out of Dodge City. The, the Kansas. Kansas. Oh, I would give all my fame for a pot of ale and safety. We better get him to town quick. He's in a bad way. Still there. Uh, you think you can make it on a horse? We'll take you into... We'll take him into Dodge. And he passed out again. We tied him across Doc's horse. Doc and I doubled up and Chester rode behind. The stranger was a tall, skinny man with a face like a friendly mule. Big hands and thin wrists stretched out from his sleeves. He had no papers on him. Nothing. Until he woke up, we wouldn't even know his name. Doc settled him down in the back of his place, and he was still asleep when Chester and I rode out to where we figured he'd left his wagon. Wasn't hard to see when we found it. What color wagon would you call that, Mr. Dillon? Puce, Chester. Puce. I guess so. 
seems to be some writing on the side there. Yeah. Oh, Irving Henry, thespian supreme disciple of the immortal bard. Mm. I should have known he was a religious man. Uh, he's an actor, Chester, the immortal bard. Shakespeare, William Shakespeare, wrote plays, poems. You think he let the horses go, Mr. Dillon? Well, I was wondering that. Seems to me he'd have ridden for help instead of trying to walk. Horses couldn't have got out of the harness themselves. Let's take a look at the wheel. Huh? Wish we could wait till the sun goes down. It's going to be awful hot work, Mr. Dillon. <coughs> yeah. It's not too bad. The pen fell out. Must be another in the box at the back. Take a look, will you, Chester? Yes, sir. I'll prop the wheel up here. Now. Mr. Dillon? Yeah, can't you find it? Will you come here a minute? Uh, what's the matter? Take a look in there. It took a second or two to get used to the darkness inside the wagon. And then I saw the hand sticking out from behind a trunk. You didn't have to be the doc to know that it was a dead hand. The body was of a man about 40. He was dirty. And in a greasy, torn waistcoat, I found a pocketbook with his name. Sam Matchett. And that was all. Below his left shoulder and his back was a patch of dried blood. And in the middle... A bullet hole. We got the wagon wheel on, hitched up our horses, and drove into Dodge. Doc? Oh, that's you, Marshal. Uh, yeah. Yeah, be right out. All right. Get that fellow's wagon fixed up? Yeah, I brought it in. Is he awake? Oh, I haven't looked in the last half hour. I was making coffee. You want some? Uh, no, thanks. Oh, it's a funny thing about coffee when it's hot weather like this. Drink it's called in and makes you feel cooler outside. Uh, look, Doc, I got to see that fellow. I want to ask him a couple of questions. Oh, that's so? I found a dead man in the back of his wagon. You don't say. You better take a look. Chester's bringing him in the side. Oh, sure, sure, sure. You want to go on back? Uh, yeah, thanks, Doc. <clears throat> Mr. Henry? Mr. Henry, wake up. Yeah, what? Oh. Your name, Irving Henry? Oh, Irving Henry. What is this place? Now, you got to listen to me for a minute. We found your wagon. Ah? Uh -huh. Did you let the horses go before you sat on your own? Of course. I could not let them remain to die. Well, how come you didn't take one to ride? I have a loathing of horses. I cannot bear one under my body. There is a carafe of water beside the bed. Would you be good enough, uh, Mr. Uh, uh... Uh, Dillon, Matt Dillon. I'm the marshal here in Dodge City. Here you are. Oh, my thanks. Now, what were you doing with a dead man in your wagon, Mr. Henry? A dead man? A dead man shot in the back, lying in your wagon. This is very midsummer madness. I won't argue about that, but I'll thank you to answer my question. But it is impossible. It isn't true. I say it is. 
You lie in your throat if you say that I'm any other than an honest man. Look, mister, I didn't say you weren't honest. You're an actor. And you got a fine way of saying things, but murder's murder. I don't care how you say it. Now, I'm asking questions, and I want straight answers. Your pardon, sir. What you tell me, in truth, if it were played upon a stage, I would condemn it as an improbable fiction. I swear to you, I know nothing of a body. Did you come through Hayes City? Yeah. Do you know a man there called Sam Matchett? No. You had no trouble in Hayes City? No. What are you doing in these parts, Mr. Henry? Uh, I'm... I am touring the provinces. An actor eating the bitter bread of banishment. And the talents are not taken for their worth in the East... Therefore, I bring the immortal bard to the hinterlands. And now, sir, that the interview is ended, pray give me leave to depart. I'm sorry, I can't do that. You'll have to stay until we get this thing cleared up. Mr. Dillon, Doc would like to see you. Ah, All right, Chester. Stay here with Mr. Henry, will you? Sure, Mr. Dillon, sure. How are you feeling by now, Mr. Henry? Would you like more water? What'd you find? Well, there's one thing. This man didn't die right away. I mean, not right when he was shot. Is that so? No. More likely bled to death. Inside. Uh-huh. Uh, you think he might have been able to climb up in the wagon after he was shot? Well, he might. There's another thing. Yeah. You see the way he's dressed? Now, you take a look at that. Oh, what? Help! Come on. Come on, Doc. Come on. Chester. What's he the took... matter with him? Chester. My gun when I was pouring him some water, Mr. Dillon. He must have gone through the window, Marshal. I, I tried to get it back. It went off. Take care of Chester, Doc. I'm going after him. out of there, I didn't know how badly Chester was hurt. There was a lot of blood on his head and over his face. It was nearly dark outside and the street was empty. It was supper time. I could see the women through the windows getting food ready. The kids were inside too. Sure looked peaceful. But with Henry out with a gun, well, that wasn't a good thing to have running around loose in Dodge. you see a man run down the street, Miss Fletcher? Well, no. Well, you better get inside and lock your door. Don't come out again. There's a killer loose. I walked the length of the street, listening, 
waiting. And when I got to the end, there was nothing. He hadn't taken a horse, I'd have heard that. And in a way, I was sorry, because if he'd tried to hide and dodge, there'd be no way to get out of shooting that wouldn't get women and kids hurt. A breeze came up and swirls of dust flew around and then settled as the air became still and hot again. I went back to Doc's place. Oh, uh, did you find him, Marshal? No. How's Chester? Oh, I'm fine, Mr. Dillon. Just creased my head, more mess than hurt. Oh, good, Chester. Uh, look, you want to go home or you want to work? I want to work. All right, go down to the office, get yourself another gun, and round up some men, many as you can. As long as Henry stays in town, we're in trouble. Now, keep your eyes open. Meet me back here. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. Take my gun with you, and if you see him, watch out. All right, you get going. Yes, sir. Now, Doc, I'm going to have to make you a deputy, too. Well, <laughs> well, maybe instead of digging out bullets, I'll be putting some in. It's not funny, Doc. Now, come on. All right, we'll start here. I'll take this side, you take the other. Get the men to go through their houses and tell them to look for their horses. Tell them what's happening. But ten o'clock that night, as far as we could tell, Henry hadn't left town. There were plenty of places for him to hide, though. We had 50 men out searching. Chester and I were working along back of the express office. There were a couple of houses there we hadn't covered. You wouldn't think a man like that would be a killer, now would you, Mr. Dillon? I never saw a man yet couldn't be, Chester. Depends on your reasons for killing, I guess. Now, let's take a look behind these boxes. You think he could have got this far? Yeah, he might. A lot of back streets to sneak around in the dark. That's Miss Cullen's place there, isn't it? Yes, sir. Looks like she's still awake. Light burning back there. Yeah. <clears throat> Seem a bit cooler to you tonight, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, a bit. Oh, uh, evening, Miss Cullen. I'm sorry to get you up, but we're looking for a man, a stranger around. He's tall, thin. You seen anyone about tonight? No. No, I haven't. Uh-huh. Uh, how, how's the kids? Oh, they're fine. Thank you, Mr. Dillon. Fine. Uh-huh. Well, you keep the place locked tight, Miss Cullen. Don't let anybody in tonight unless you know who it is. All right. Good night, Mr. Dillon. Good night, ma'am. Well, now, that's strange. She didn't even say hello to me, and I know her better than you do, Mr. Dillon. Chester, round up the others. Get them over here. I don't know why she... He's in there with her. I think he's got the kids in the sleeping room. Oh. Sent her out to get rid of us. Now, I'm going to try and get in. Don't do anything when you come back. Just put the men around the house. Yes, sir. I'd seen Miss Cullen make a move with her head. 
and her eyes said the rest. When I told her to lock up, I shook my head, and I hoped she understood. I wanted that front door to stay open. He was in there, all right. I could hear him. I wanted him alive. But I wasn't going to risk hurt to Miss Cullen or the kids getting him. I did what you asked. Don't hurt the children, please. They will never know this night. In the morning, when they will. What's that? You said you knocked the door after. No, don't. Don't. I shall keep the pistol turned to the girl's head now. Someone is here. They try to take me. Who is it? Who? Mr. Dillon, go away. Please. He'll kill us. You lied. You lied. Oh, tiger's heart wrapped in a woman's hide. Listen to me, Marshal Dillon. Throw your pistol in here and then come in with your hands before you. I have no stomach for child killing, but I will not hesitate to do so. Now, give me the gun, Henry. No. You won't be able to get out of this. I must. There is living to be done. You know, that fancy talk isn't going to help either. Now, why don't you climb down? What happened to Match it? Nothing happened to Match. Why'd you kill him? I didn't. In five minutes or less, there'll be 50 men or more around here. Now, what are you going to do? I don't know. If you didn't kill Matchett, you'll get a chance. I'll see to that. There's no use going on this way. Give me the gun. I cannot. It is my prop of salvation. No gun is salvation to anybody. Put it down. You must tell the men to go away, Marshal Dillon. I'll have to take one of these children with me for my protection. No! Shed a tear for me, madam. I have the greater need. You do a lot of talking, mister. I'd like to see you turn the gun away from that kid's head. That'd take more than talk, wouldn't it, though? I have no skill with such a weapon. Why should I match with you? I want to live. You're going about it the wrong way. The smallest worm will turn being trod upon. Meaning? You gave me no choice when you brought me here. Would have been better to have left me lying in the dust. You don't understand. You don't know. Well, why don't you tell me? What good would it do? It depends. My life has been the theater. 
as a boy, I, I was a student of Shakespeare. I would look at me. Who would accept this face for Hamlet? This ill shaped body for Romeo. <laughs> His speech has become my speech. And the fools only look. They cannot listen for laughing. There have been ugly men before you. It hasn't been cause for murder. Why'd you kill Matchett? In New York, there was a man, a gross, stupid man, who fancied himself an interpreter of the bard. He, he took me, me, as his apprentice, and together we set out for the tour. I would play only the voices, never Richard, Never Henry, never Leah, only, only the voices. Whilst he, stumbling, drunken, he muddled and tore to a tatter the, the words that I should have spoken. <sighs> you killed a man because you wanted to play a hero? How easily murder is discovered. Yes, sometimes, I guess. It was yesterday. We were leaving Hayes City. We'd played there for two days. And it made me a laughing stock. It was night. And he became drunk. And, and threatened to leave me in the next town. I made him stop the wagon and taking up a pistol I shot him. He did not die at first. And when I saw what I had done I, I wanted him to live and I put him into the wagon and I drove on hoping to find a doctor. Then, as, as the night passed, I saw that he had died. And I was afraid. The wagon broke down? Yes. I, I put my purse into his clothes and took his name for mine. How I've hated the name of Sam Matchett. But you wouldn't understand. I wouldn't. Oh, what now? I want to live. I want my chance. You've done a murder. I can't let you go. You know that. Don't make it harder. I lost my husband two years ago. I know what it is to be alone. You've been alone, haven't you? I'm sorry. You killed someone. We may pity, though not pardon, dear. <laughs> I'm going now, Marshal. If you walk out of there with your gun, you're a dead man. Death's a great disguiser. I must have your chance. 
Don't do it, Matchett. There'll be killing. Madam, forgive me. I would not have harmed your children. Matchett, put down your gun. Let me go my way. Please. There are a lot of men waiting for you out there, Matchett. You know what'll happen if you open the door. Don't do it, Matchett. He knew he was going to die. The minute he opened that door, he knew it. And maybe he wanted to, because he fired first a single shot. We buried him in back of the church, and I found some words in a book to put on his grave. He that dies pays all debts. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Anthony Ellis, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Hans Conrad was featured as Henry, with Mary Lansing as Mrs. Cullen. Parley Bear as Chester, and Howard McNear as Doc. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Roy Rowan speaking. Remember, gangbusters go into action Saturday nights on the CBS Radio Network. Stay tuned for The Great Gildersleeve next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for The Great Gildersleeve. Kraft presents the great Gildersleeve. Yeah. <laughs> Kraft Cheese Company, makers of Parquet Margarine and a complete line of famous quality food products, presents Harold Perry as the great Gildersleeve. Kraft brings you the great Gildersleeve every week at this same time, written by John Wheaton and Sam Moore, music by Claude Sweeten.
to Summerfield and the Great Gildersleeve. Like every other town in the land, Summerfield finds itself on the eve of a national election. <laughs> Well, so it goes. But the hottest discussion in Summerfield seems to be over the campaign for mayor. So let's drop into the office of the newly reappointed water commissioner and listen in. Don't make me laugh, Judge. Don't make me laugh. Terwilliger may be no rose, but whoever heard of Welsh? Welsh doesn't stand a chance. There, I must beg leave to differ. Art Welsh will be elected mayor of Summerfield on Tuesday next. Art Welsh will be the forgotten man on Tuesday next. Welsh will be elected mayor. You said that before. I say it again. <laughs> Judge, put up or shut up. I'll make you conservative bet at $1,000 Welsh doesn't come within a mile of being elected. I'll bet you 5000 that he wins with a plurality of over... 800. I'll bet you a million he doesn't. I'll bet you five million he doesn't. I'll bet you ten million he doesn't. Well, now you're just talking like a fool. All right, is it a bet? Yeah, it's a bet. Ten million dollars. Ten million dollars. <laughs> Look, Judge, if you want to bet, let's bet. Fifty cents? <laughs> I never bet money on elections. You're afraid. It's against my principles. Judge, if Cyrus P. Terwilliger is not re-elected mayor of this town on Tuesday next... I will personally push a peanut up the middle of Market Street with my nose. My friend, you've got a bet. Uh, make it State Street. Market Street's got cobblestones. Mr. Gillespie, you early. Well, hello, Bertie. Miss Marjorie, your uncle's home. Ain't nothing wrong, is it, Miss Gillespie? Wrong? No, why? I just knocked off early because there's nothing being accomplished down at my office. Nothing but a lot of political discussion, and I'm sick of it. Sure is a lot of that. I had it out with the milkman, the ice man, the garbage man, the man that just got lost. Uncle Morris. Well, my dear? You didn't get fired again. Certainly not. Why do you ask? Well, you're home so early. Leroy isn't even home yet. I came home because I thought I'd take the afternoon off, if nobody minds. Besides, with this darn election, I can't seem to keep my mind on my work anyway. What's for dinner, Bertie? Well, dinner ain't for several hours yet. I know. I merely asked. Well, sir, I thought we might have a little lamb this evening. We had a little lamb last night, Bertie. Yes, but this is a return engagement <laughs> I hope you don't mind No, lamb is good, I merely mentioned it Hi Hi, Leroy Leroy, aren't you home? Oh, what happened? Did you get fired again? Fired? Let me make it clear to everybody once and for all I did not get fired today or any other time Is that clear? Yes, sir The only time I got fired, I resigned uh, Mr. Gillespie, who you gonna vote for? Bertie, I'm casting my ballot for Cyrus P. Willinger. After he fired you out of the water department? A good citizen, my dear, puts his choice for public office above personal considerations. Besides, Terwilliger is also the man who gave me my job back. Let's not be forgetting that. Yeah, Uncle's right. You've got to figure all the angles. He's working for Terwilliger now, so he's got to vote the way he's told. That has nothing whatever to do with it. Are you kidding? <laughs> I am beholden to no man, Leroy. I arrived at this decision as the result of mature consideration and unbiased judgment. Well, I did. How is Judge Hooker voting? The judge is a big sorehead. He votes like a sorehead. Forgive and forget. That's my motto. Oh, Mr. Gillsleeve, you hadn't ought to vote for that man. Bertie's right. I'm surprised at you, Uncle Morris. Who are you to be surprised at me, young lady? I'll ask you to remember I'm your uncle. If anybody's going to be surprised around here, I'll be surprised. Well, I don't care. Francie's father says Mayor Terwilliger is no good. That's right. He's no good. And if you don't believe it, ask the Ice Man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Francie's father says Mayor Terwilliger is a disgrace to Summerfield. I don't care what Francie's father says. He says he wouldn't vote for Terwilliger if he was the last man on earth. Well, I wouldn't vote for Francie's father, so there. Ye gods, can't a man have any peace around here? I come home early from the office because I can't stand all the politics, and what do I get? By George, I'm going out. Bertie, what time is dinner? Well, I thought if you didn't mind, Mr. Gillsleeve, I got a meeting of my club tonight. And, oh? Uh, we were going to sort of run over the candidates and the issues, oh, so... Oh, my goodness. I thought if you didn't mind, we'd have dinner a little early, around 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 4 o'clock. Don't mind me. Maybe I'll be back and maybe I won't. <laughs> Hi, Commissioner. Huh? Oh, hello, Floyd. Where are you tearing off to? Nowhere, Floyd. Just trying to get a little peace and quiet. Well, come on in here. I'll give you a hot towel. Well, hot towel sounds good. You'll promise not to sell me any politics along with it. Uh, don't worry. Here, let me have your coat. Okay. There. Climb right up in the chair and lay down, Commissioner. Thank you. <sighs> this wouldn't be a bad place to spend the day. Well, suit yourself. We can start at the top of the price list and give you the works. Just a hot towel, Floyd. But keep it nonpartisan. That's me. I'm going to vote for Artie Welch, but I'll be quiet about it. <laughs> oh, the moonlight's fair tonight along the Wabash. Uh, confounded, Floyd. Why Artie Welch? Thought you wanted to stay off that subject. Well, I do. But when I see a man planning to vote wrong, uh, Artie a customer of yours? Nope. Gets his hair cut over on State Street. Well, then I should think you'd vote for Terwilliger. Why don't you? Terwilliger don't tip. Terwilliger. Floyd, that's no way to analyze public issues. Issues? That's something else again. When it comes to foreign policy, I'm a regular H.V. Cottonborn. Well, I'll get that on the radio. I don't see how you figure that a man like Welch is qualified to be mayor of this town. Terwilliger is a real administrator. Mr. Gildersleeve, if I was Terwilliger's water commissioner, I'd say the same. That has nothing to do with it. Welch just doesn't measure up, that's all. How do you decide on a candidate anyway, Floyd? Just flip a coin? Now, Mr. Gildersleeve, I'm a pretty conscientious citizen. I got my own system of picking candidates, and it's a pretty good one. Yeah, what is it? Well, it involves the wife, Mr. Gildersleeve. Well, that's nothing to be ashamed of. That's fine. Good idea for a man and his wife to talk these things over. I guess you never met Mrs. Munson, did you? Uh, no, I never did. Why? Well, I don't like to knock her. She's okay, as women go. I never had any regrets, particularly... <laughs> Of course, once in a while, she might pass a remark that's a little uncalled for, but then I'm no angel. She knows that, too. <laughs> What's all this got to do with voting? Oh, I'm coming to that. Like I say, the babe is okay most ways, keeps the house clean, she don't throw money around, and she's a fair cook, if you like everything fried. <laughs> but on politics, brother, they never should have given her the ballot... And why do you consult with her about your vote? I don't. I just ask her how she's going to vote, and I vote the opposite. <laughs> Floyd, you're a political ignoramus. I ain't dumb enough to vote for Tewilliga. Oh, let me out of here. I thought you wanted a hot Let time. me out of here. Ye gods, can't I go any place without having politics shoved down my throat? Phoebe, you're a reasonable man. I try to be. Let me sit here. Let me sit here and get a little peace and quiet, will you? 
Certainly. Any trouble at home, Mr. Gildersleeve? Well, not exactly, P.V. I was driven out of my house by a political argument, if you must know. I'm looking for a place where people don't argue with me about who's going to beat whose brains out tomorrow. Well, you're very welcome. Hello. <laughs> Thank goodness for one man that doesn't give a hoot about politics. No, no, I wouldn't say that. I've got my opinions, Mr. Gildersleeve. Yeah, well, just keep your opinions to yourself. Oh, I do. I believe in the secret ballot. Well, it's a great institution, the secret ballot, Peavy. Keystone of democracy. Uh, you voting for Terwilliger, Peavy? Terwilliger's an excellent man. You wouldn't vote for Welch, though, would you? He's an excellent man. Terwilliger is a fine administrator, though, Peavy. I like the fellows back of him, too. But who's back of Welch? I hear he has some very fine people supporting him. Confound it, Peavy. To hear you talk, I'm beginning to think you're for Welch. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> you're for Terwilliger. Well, I wouldn't say that either. There's only two people running for mayor, Peavy. Who are you for? I'm for the secret ballot. <laughs> How can we discuss this sensibly if you won't tell me who you're for? Well, I prefer to listen to arguments for both candidates, Mr. Gildersleeve. So does Mrs. Peavy. Well, there aren't any arguments for Welsh, Peavy. People who vote for Welsh, Welsh are simply voting from blind prejudice. Uh, that's no argument, Mr. Gildersleeve. So Williger is a fine man. He has a fine record. He's been a public servant for 20 years. I'm very happy to endorse him, personally. And coming from a water commissioner, that's no argument either. I resent <laughs> To Williger has at no time attempted to influence my vote. What honesty. Why, that's an argument in itself. You think so? Well, here's Judge Hooker. Yeah, political spy. <laughs> what are you doing in here, you old goat? <laughs> what are you doing? Trying to get Peavy to vote for your friend Terwilliger? We were discussing the situation pro and con. Well, Peavy, I'll give you the lowdown. Mr. Gildersleeve made a bet with me. If Terwilliger loses, Gildy's got to push a peanut up State Street with his nose. Now, that's something I'd like to see. Maybe I'll vote for Mr. Welch. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Hooker, you're an unscrupulous campaigner. <laughs> Don't forget, Gildy, all's fair in love and politics. Let me in, Eve. Let me in. They're after me. Oh, I don't see any... There. Who's after you? <laughs> Nobody. Joke. Oh, Rockmorton, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> what you doing, Eve? Oh, nothing, really. I just got home, and I built a fire, and I was going to make some tea, and just relax. Will you come in? Well, if you insist. Ah, uh, a crackling fire. Mm-hmm. Do you want to sit there? Well, I know. Uh, let's pull the sofa over, huh? Let's pull it up in front of the fire so we can... That's uh... not a sofa, Throckmorton. <laughs> it's a love seat. Who am I to argue? <laughs> <laughs> Here, well, I'll do that, Eve. Let me. Oh, you can't handle it all alone. No, you watch me. Nothing but a little... <clears throat> uh, nothing but a little... <clears throat> love seat. <laughs> You're wonderful. Now, you sit down and enjoy the fire while I go and... Eve... 
I'll be right back. I'm just going to make the tea. Oh, forget the tea. Well, if you don't want it. That's the girl. Sit down. Hmm. <laughs> nice here, isn't it? Nice. Now, Throckmorton. <laughs> I seem to have to keep reminding you we're not engaged anymore. Well, there's no harm in holding a girl's hand, is there? Just a friendly gesture. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't it? Not a thing. Very well, then. We agreed, you remember, that all that was over and done with. Over and done with. Seriously, Eve, you don't know what it means to me to be able to come here this afternoon and spend a few quiet moments with you. Far from the madding crowd, far from strife and strain. A man needs that. I know. A man needs a place he can come to, a refuge. So nice and quiet here, so warm, so friendly. And you're so understanding. Now it's not. All right, we'll just hold on. <laughs> Maybe later, though, huh? Little kiss, if I'm good. We'll see. You know what I like to do? I like to sit here in the afternoon with the radio on and listen to good music. Only there's so little good music on the radio these days. Nothing but politics. That's all you hear anyplace. By the way, Throckmorton, I haven't asked you, how are you voting? Ha, 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 ha. Now, Eve, I didn't come here to talk politics. But how are you voting? I'd like to know. Well, I'm voting for Terwilliger for mayor, Apted for Congress, Ter- Lynch... Terwilliger, you're voting for Terwilliger. Well, I... Let go of my hand, Throckmorton. Oh, but Eve... Let go. Gosh, if it means so much to Eve, I'll vote for Welsh. Only don't spoil everything. I will not hold hands with a man whose political principles mean no more to him than that. Let go. Oh, nuts. There goes the whole darn afternoon. Ye gods, I wish this election were over. return to Summerfield in the Great Gildersleeve comes the dawn of Tuesday, November 7th, and what a day for an election. Since early morning, the rain has come down in torrents. Gildersleeve has spent a good part of the day standing at the front window waiting for the rain to let up and trying to summon up enough enterprise to go out in it. Now, in desperation, he goes to the phone and calls up Judge Hooker. Hello, Judge. Yeah, fine day for ducks. Look, Judge, I've been thinking. As long as the weather is so bad and you and I are going to vote on opposite sides anyway, why don't we make a deal? If you don't go to the polls, I won't go to the polls. In that way, we'll just cancel each other out. Yeah, how about it? Great. No use getting wet for nothing. Okay, Judge. Consider your vote canceled. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. If I don't watch out, I'm going to be a genius. Why didn't I think of that before? Now I can go take a nap with a clear conscience. You mean you're not going to vote? You're not going to vote at all? Well, I don't need to, my dear. Yeah, it may be better than voting for Terwilliger at that. <laughs> the Judge and I see just opposite on everything. So by staying away from the polls, we merely cancel out each other's vote. What if everybody in the country were as lazy as that? Laziness has nothing to do with it. Plain common sense. You see what the weather's like? Man could catch cold out there. (coughs) It's our duty in these times to... (laughs) Our duty in these times to guard our health. Besides, I'm down to my last A ticket. 
excuse me if I go out the front way, Mr. Gilsey. There's a lake around the back stoop. Oh, where are you going, Bertie? Going out to vote. I told you, Bertie, if you wait a little while, it'll clear up. I've waited all I can wait. I'm going to get down there before they run out of ballots. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that, Bertie. They got ballots enough for everybody. I don't care. If I was to wait, maybe I'd get took with appendicitis or something so I couldn't vote. But if you go out, you'll get wet. Oh, a little water never hurt nobody. Got my umbrella and got my galoshes and I got my sample ballot. Well, gosh, Bertie, I'd be glad to drive you down there, but I'm down to my last gas ticket. What's in the tank has got to last me till the new ones come due. Oh, that'll be all right, Mr. Gilsey. I don't mind. Tell you what, Bertie. Why don't you and Lily B. do what Judge Hooker and I are doing? Just cancel out each other's vote. No, Mr. Gilsey. You can't talk me out of it. My mind's made up. I got my candidates and got my issues straight for once, and I'm ready. I got to vote while the spirit's on me. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm exercising my franchise. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's a fine woman. Fine woman. Well, what are you children staring at? I'd have driven her down there, only I haven't got any gas. None to speak of. Don't you see, if the judge doesn't vote and I don't vote, it comes out even, just the same, doesn't it? Marjorie, go upstairs and write a letter or something, will you? You make me nervous. I'm going, don't worry. Only wish I were 21, that's all. Well, Leroy? I didn't say anything. I know, it's not like you. Go play in the cellar or something, will you? I'd like to be alone. Can I use your saw? Anything, only don't stand around there watching me. Okay, I got an idea for a super machine gun. Don't saw any nails. Yes, yes. What a day. Rain, rain, rain. If it had been a decent day, it would have been different. Be glad to vote. A day like this, man could catch cold. Little Leroy. Leroy! That's the last time he uses my saw. Uh, front door. Uh, wonder who that is. Oh, yes. Come in, quickly. Yeah, I just wiped the feet. Uh, hurry up. It's wet. Oh, <laughs> those my pants? All cleaned and pressed. I covered with newspaper so it doesn't get wet. Oh, well. All right. <laughs> Thank you. How much is that? It's 75 cents. Let's uh, see if I got it here. Quite a day, isn't it? Oh, it's a fine day. Huh? Well, a little rain, but who cares? You know something? Today I'm an American. Oh, you mean you're a citizen? Oh, I got my citizen papers eight months ago. But today, for the first time, I vote. Oh. It's a great thing, you know, to vote. Yeah, guess it is. Sure. In the country I come from, nobody votes. There, a man doesn't even open his mouth. And why? He's afraid. Here, nobody is afraid. He votes, so I vote. Well, that's fine. Sure. Six o'clock this morning, I vote. Maybe it rains a little. What do I care? They open the polls. I'm the first man in. The first man in Summerfield to vote. That's me, Morgan. Uh, What'd you say your name was? Well, uh, my real name, it's a little difficult. Uh, Megunin. Who can say that? So I choose a nice American name. Morgan. What was wrong with Rockefeller? Uh, Rockefeller. Uh, that's a little hard for some people to say, too. What's the difference? My friends call me Leo, so that's how I vote. Leo Morgan. You know, I'm so excited. I walk in there and I say, good morning. 
I've come to vote. So they say, just a minute, what is your name? Like I was a foreigner or something. So I say, Leah Morgan, I'm a citizen. So then they look in a big book, and I'm getting worried. Maybe they forgot me. Maybe I didn't do something I should. Oh, I'm so worried. And then what do you think? I'm in the book. Great. Yeah, me, Morgan. <laughs> me, Morgan, I'm in the book. So I sign my name. I did, I did, I. And the gentleman, he gives me a big ballot all my own, and he takes me to a little, uh, like a little room. Uh, a booth. Uh, that's right, a booth. All by myself. Nobody else. It's fine. The gentleman says to me, take your time. I say, thank you very much. And he pulls the curtain so I won't be bothered. Such privacy. I'm not used to it. At home, we used to sleep far in a room. So, uh, I'm all alone in there. I did, I did, I. I take my time and I look over my ballot and I vote. Maybe I didn't vote right, but I voted. And whoever gets elected, that's my president. Well, Morgan, by George, you're all right. Sure, I'm all right. And I'll tell you another thing. This country is all right. Hey, Al. Oh, oh, Leroy. Uh, come here, my boy. You know Mr. Uh, Morgan here? Oh, hi. <laughs> Your boy? Uh, he's my nephew. Fine boy. He'll be voting too one of these days, huh? Uh, yes, I suppose so. Yeah, I got a son, a Gregory, a Gregor, a little younger. He goes to school. Gregory? Him. He's in the foray, a little punk. Yeah, a little punk. Yeah, I know him. That's my Gregory. Well, I, I should be leaving. I talk too much. Oh, not at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm very glad you dropped in, Mr. Oh, I get so excited, I forget the pants. Here. Oh, yes, thanks. <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, Goodbye. What's the matter, Unc? Uh, nothing, Leroy. I wonder if you'd be good enough to run upstairs to my room and get my car keys. Sure. You going someplace, Unc? Yes, Leroy. I'm going to vote. Can I go with you? I don't see why not. Hey, hey, wait. What about Judge Hooker? Hooker? What about him? Well, you made a deal, didn't you? Are you going to tell the judge you're voting? There's an old saying, Leroy, invented by Judge Hooker. Quote, all's fair in love and politics. Unquote. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Floyd, close up the barbershop and get in the car. I'll take you to the polls. I'm still voting for Artie Welch, you know. I don't care if you're voting for McKinley. Come on and vote. Come on, fold up your umbrella, Peavy, and get in. Thank you, Mr. Gildersleeve. By the way, I'm voting for... I don't care, Peavy. This is a nonpartisan patriotic bus service. Here we go. Put on your old gray bonnet with the blue ribbon on it And we're here so down to the Here's my ballot, Mrs. Farquhar. Do uh, I have to fold it? Yes, Mr. Gildersleeve, right up to the dotted line. Oh, yes. Uh, thank you. Well, I feel like a citizen. Uh, you know, Mrs. F., I pulled a fast one on Judge Hooker. He and I were going to vote opposite ways, so I made a deal with him that neither of us would vote. Oh, you shouldn't do that. No good citizen would. I know that, Mrs. Farquhar, but 
All's fair in love and politics. Besides, if I'm patriotic and the judge isn't, well, it's just too bad. Don't worry about the judge's patriotism. He voted at nine o'clock this morning. Oh! <laughs> Why, that double-crosser. He isn't patriotic. He's just a crook. Ladies and gentlemen, the returns aren't in yet. I may have to push a peanut up State Street with my nose. <laughs> but at least I voted. You know, there are people in this world who haven't the chance to vote. They know that privilege, and they know what it's worth. Here in this country, we're inclined to take it for granted. But now that the Japs and the Germans are trying to take that right away from us, look at how this country is willing to fight for it. Well, if it's worth fighting for, it's worth going to the polls for Get out and vote on Tuesday, and don't let anything stop you. Good night. Music on this program was directed by Claude Sweet. Mrs. Ken Carpenter speaking for the Kraft Cheese Company, makers of parquet margarine and a complete line of famous quality food products. Kraft invites you to listen again next week at the same time for the further adventures of the Great Gildersleeve. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week when I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.